Welcome to the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. Every week, we discuss a movie, and then one of us suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss. All the movies are available from the major streaming services, so you can participate right along with us. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Alicia Walker. Hello. Christine Deacon. Hi. Josh Dean. Hello. Nathan McKinney. Hello. And Zach Rowland. Hey. And we are going to start the show by talking about uh, movies that we've seen lately that we would recommend other people check out. Uh, Aaron, let's start with you. What's your recommendation this week? And where did you see it? Man, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, Disney Plus. Uh, this has been a godsend I had uh, for, for people outside of the podcast i had a child uh about a year and a half ago and she only watches frozen <laughs> all all day every day so, like subscribe to the frozen network i mean pretty much it's she she watches frozen frozen 2 oh and luca those are the three movies, and they're constantly going on something. Um, so, I, I I can now quote Frozen start to finish. Like you could you could start somewhere in the movie, and I'm fairly certain that I could pick up right where you are. Yeah, I, I did the same thing when it happened eight years ago. With so, my kids. So the truth so, is, just don't okay, have children. So pick a spot, and you guys play a scene. <laughs> yeah, do the do the scene between the sisters where uh, Elsa. Um, no, we need to let it go. We need to move on. <laughs> oh man, I was uh, I was gearing up. Alicia, <laughs> what's your recommendation this week? Uh, I would recommend the movie The Killers, uh, based on an Ernest Hemingway short story. There's actually a couple different versions, which I have not yet seen. The 1960s version, which looks a little different. But I watched the 1946 version uh, as kind of part of watching some uh, film noir this month. So that was really great. And uh, I would recommend everybody watch that. You have uh, kind of a heist. kind of. It kind of reminds me of The Killing a little bit. In fact, for a while I used to confuse the two movies with the titles. And which one is the, which one's this? And so there's some similar elements. But yeah, it's, I thought it was really great. Burt Lancaster, Ava so Gardner, lots of fun. Which year, yeah, which year was yours? Uh, 19- I think it's 46. 1946. Yeah, ni- 1946. Blu-ray? Yes. Cool. I, I love the fact that like, Color movies don't exist in the McKinney household. Like, oh, they do. <laughs> we, we've just been having a black and white renaissance for sure. I love it. I love it. Um, Christine, what's your recommendation? Mine is on uh, the docu series Buried on Showtime. Um, it's about yeah, the yeah, first. Yeah, I saw that. It was awesome. Yep, it was uh, about the first case. Uh, in California that used uh, repressed memory or the idea of repressed memory uh, trying to figure out if this woman actually saw her father kill her friend when she was eight years old or if it's just a fictionalized memory uh, that happened when she was under hypnosis. Um, 
But one of the things that I found fascinating about it is that it actually overturned uh, the statute of limitations on child molestation and incest cases um, across the country. And I thought it was fascinating that without this case, even if it was overturned and everything, that without it, uh, there would not have been a break in that statute of limitations. Uh, So... Yeah, it's a, it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed um, yeah, watching buried it. Buried on Showtime. Uh, Josh, what's your recommendation? So um, I watched the uh, Edgar Wright documentary, The Sparks Brothers, on uh, Netflix. Um, huh? This is, uh, I had never, somehow I had missed Sparks as a band uh, mm-hmm. for the past uh, 40 years that they've been recording, uh, 25 albums. Um, it's a, it's a two and a half hour documentary. So you've really got to be into it to watch it, but, uh, it's got all sorts of talking heads like Beck and Patton Oswalt and Scott Ackerman, just, uh, uh, and also sparks themselves are very involved in it. It kind of goes album by album through their discography and talks about what led them to record or what led them to ditch their band at a certain point or reinvent themselves themselves so uh i don't know if you have interest in um especially electronic music um i feel like lcd sound system owes a lot to these people and yeah the cure and uh new order and yeah all sorts of people were inspired by them so uh yeah i would i would highly sparks brothers where did you watch it again netflix it's on netflix i'll second that one i thought it was fantastic yeah nathan let's move on to you what's your recommendation I watched the black and white classic Rocky. Oh. The, uh, the yeah, old take that. cartoon. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> What's that now? What did you say, Dale? You, you watched the old blue... Uh, uh-huh. uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Bullwinkle cartoon? No, uh-huh. uh, this is uh, Rocky Balboa. Um, no, it's just Rocky. Or, no, sorry. Well, it's just Rocky Okay. with the character Rocky Balboa. There we go. Um. Ever heard I don't of know if he's one. a junior, so I don't know if it's guy. Rocky I had no or idea not, these but. existed. Uh, <laughs> I mean, probably everybody that's listening to this, if you're listening to a podcast about a really deep movie like Deep Cover, you've probably watched Rocky once or twice. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think especially because we had recently visited Philadelphia as like a little day trip uh, when we were in uh, uh, on the East Coast and uh, just enjoyed uh, the trip and it was kind of fun to watch parts and pieces of Philadelphia that look somewhat familiar to me um, now in that movie. So, and of course, everybody's awesome in that movie. So, Just yeah, cool. and I loved know. all of the uh, the people who were quote unquote inspired to make low budget versions of Rocky for like the next fifteen years. Yeah, there's so many like terrible movies that were made that are just exactly the same story as Rocky, but in a different occupation well and it's i I think it just says something when the second the first movie's over you really kind of want to put the second movie in it's just that good oh yeah i mean and the bill conti soundtrack is i mean it's it's one of the best out there it's just such a great score so yeah definitely if you haven't watched it what are you doing My recommendation is The Shrink Next Door on Apple TV. Uh, It features uh, Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell. 
Um, and uh, Paul Rudd plays Will Ferrell's sh- character's shrink. Um, a lot of it takes place in the 80s. Um, so it's it's fun to see kind of, you know, a little bit of the, uh, the flashback throwback situation there. Um, but what's great about it is the dynamic that they share as characters. Um, it's based off of a podcast, which I haven't uh, checked out yet, but I do plan on checking out. And it's directed by Michael Showalter. Um, so there's a lot of great comedic sensibilities going on. And, um, I guess the way that I've heard it described to me, and I guess I can uh, attest to this is that it's sort of a reverse. What about Bob? Uh, and if those of you who are not familiar with what about Bob, that's a therapist whose client kind of stalks him and tracks him down because he needs help with his life. Um, Bill Murray and, um, Dreyfus. Uh, Thank you, Richard Dreyfus. Another phenomenal film. Yeah. Uh, one, one of my all time favorites. Um, and this definitely holds up in that same tradition of therapist, uh, client, uh, patient uh, situation uh, and and the story that ensues with that. Catherine Hahn is also in it. She's phenomenal. Um, yeah. Great cast. Uh, great story. Very interesting. And it's um, yeah, it's it's a fun watch. Uh, it's probably a more of a. A dramedy, I would say, because there is a lot of dramatic moments and you start to hate characters because uh, of the uh, choices that they make and the things that they do. So um, highly recommend that. Apple TV has started to gr- really uh, produce a lot of um, interesting content. I-, I like a lot of stuff that's coming out on that platform. Right on. Have you ever seen The Baxter? I have not. Oh, that's good. I like that movie. So I'd never heard of it and somebody came to... Uh, watch movies over here uh, last month and they were saying how there's this Michael Schulwalter thing called the Baxter that they've never been able to find a copy of. And so I went out and found a copy of it and got it. So it's going to be a surprise when she sees it, which will hopefully be before this goes live, but hey, <laughs> you never know. But yeah, the Baxter. What, what do you like about it, Josh? It's just very funny. Uh, and as a fan of romantic comedies uh, from the mm. 60s, especially, um, the character of the Baxter is very uh, ever omnipresent in these movies. And that's the sort of setup of the movie is you're following the uptight boyfriend that gets dumped instead of the romantic uh, nice. lead yeah um did, so it's yeah. pretty funny did you that ever awesome. did you ever watch the the next movie that show walter did uh hello my name is doris with uh, oh, sally field with sally field that is pretty yeah. good movie it is good i love that movie cool well that's our recommendations for this week enjoy Happy streaming. Um, today's movie is, of course, Deep Cover. It was Alicia's suggestion, and apparently uh, Alicia's the only one that has seen it before. I have not seen it before. Blind oh, pick. Everybody saw it for the first time. Whoa! Oh, man, that blew my mind. Thank God these I forgot my brain medicine. It's like, well, we did have that lunar eclipse. It's kind of the same thing phenomenon right now. None of us have seen this movie. I am, yeah, I am blown away. Total, a total eclipse of the podcast. Yeah, Bonnie Tyler style. So, um, gee, my head is just spinning here. Uh, Aaron, <laughs> let's start with you. What did you think of Deep Cover? Yeah, I, ironically, I was going to ask you if I could go first. 
Um, yes. Man, so <laughs> I have watched this film twice today. Uh, the very first time I watched it, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Um, it was it was very uh, at least the first fifty minutes of it. The movie roughly runs about two hours. Uh, first fifty minutes of it was over the top. All the characters were like caricatures of drug addiction and 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 all of that. And the dialogue was terrible. And and wouldn't if if it wasn't for Lawrence Fishburne and Jeff Goldblum, this movie would have been a total loss right off the off the bat um on, sec- on. You, sorry you mean larry fishburne yeah, larry. that's yeah. right sorry <laughs> sorry yes at the time he was uh he was being credited as larry fishburne um you know and and he was coming fresh off of boys in the hood so i really came into this expecting something uh much better than what i got on initial viewing i went back and watched it a second time and it was so, so, so much better the second time. Um, I, I got something in my head that I, I don't know that this is what the director intended. I, I really don't. But when I watched it the first time, I, I, grew, I grew up in a really rough neighborhood. So I understand drug deals and I've seen crooked cops and good cops and i i grew up in that and and seeing people die of uh, overdoses and and seeing this on screen presented in such an over-the-top manner i i was i was like man this is this is not what it's like this is like the shittiest episode of miami vice i've ever seen <laughs> and fair enough the the second half of the movie, it was like the tone changed. All of a sudden, the characters weren't so over the top. All of a sudden, the action wasn't so over the top. the The voiceovers by Fishburne were were so much more poignant, and Jeff Goldblum became an entirely new character from what he's presented in the first half of the movie. And so I watched it a second time. And the second time I realized that the movie is narrated by Larry Fishburne's (coughs) character. Right. And his character starts off with this preconceived notion of what a drag, a drug addict is. And he sees that his father is this, this over-the-top character of I'm on drugs and I'm robbing this store and I'm in love with money and that's all that matters in my life. And then all of a sudden he's dead. And then as the movie goes on and he is put into this life and he sees all these different things and he starts making compromises to keep his cover all of a sudden, these characters are no longer over the top. You're seeing these characters from a very different light, from a sympathetic light. And it becomes more personal and it becomes 
more real. Yeah. And this this movie was just it, it really did take two times to walk to 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 experience what this movie was. And I, again, I, I don't know if that was the, the director's intention or what, but it was so much better the second time seeing it from a different perspective, seeing that the characters change based off of the narrator's experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree with that. Um, for me, like it was poignant hearing his his uh voiceover there at the end too but it was also like some of the things he was saying threw me off a little bit like when he was rhyming that was a little like too much for me it was just like okay you can be poignant but you don't have to necessarily rhyme here that would just throw me off a little bit um uh I really enjoyed uh, seeing that change also. Uh, And then uh, it just was a little bit too over the top, I think, still in Jeff Goldblum's character, uh, just in that limo scene near the middle. I was like, okay, he's just going a little bit crazy uh but other than that i can see where you got a clear sense uh with the second viewing i kind of wish i would have gone back and watched it again because i did see um that uh shift in the middle too but i didn't necessarily get all that closure that you did um I enjoyed it. I, I did talk to my dad about this movie, actually, because I had mentioned uh, watching a movie with uh, Lawrence Fishburne, and he was like, oh, which movie was it? I was like, oh, it was Deep Cover. And he was like, I love that movie. It's one of my favorites. And it's so great. And he just had nothing but great things to say about this movie. And so I was like, okay, maybe I should give it another try since it's one of his favorites. Um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, my opinion of the movie, I only watched it once, but, uh, so this is based off that, um, (laughs) there, uh, there are so many dangling plot lines and unresolved, uh, character arcs in it that it just narratively kind of drove me nuts a little bit. Um, also, I laughed out loud when the guy got hit by the car in the middle of that limo chase. Um, <laughs> yeah, the uh, the dummy getting... It was not a great <gasps> dummy. No, not so great bad. at all. Oh, so my good. God. The, uh, also, the first- especially on HBO Max, because it was so clear. Right. Like, the picture was never supposed to be that visible, and well, it clearly didn't- a stuffed... Yeah. Rock- Thing shaped like a person like a person it, it didn't help that right before that they're screaming about you know do you want to eat shrimp like it was a whole shrimp dinner conversation <laughs> oh, yeah. and then he gets hit by a car that whole thing was just just crazy we'll eat jumbo shrimp <laughs> barbecue i think it became barbecue shrimp. um yeah the uh so fishburn starts taking coke but then I guess he's okay by the end. I don't know. He takes it once and then he's like, 
okay, I, I get it. I'm an addict now, and uh, kind of, but <laughs> uh, yeah, it, that, they kind of drop that plot line very quickly. Um, he becomes a cop yeah. again somehow uh, after beating the hell out of his uh, superior, and um, then at the end, they're like, "Yeah, go testify. You're you're a cop again. That, that's fine." Um, so. Uh, the narrative made little to no sense to me in terms of, uh, and he just killed with impunity at some point. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, this wasn't my favorite, uh, flick I've ever seen. Um, uh, good performance by Larry Fishburne though. Uh, he, he brought the heat. <laughs> Cowboy Curtis. Cowboy Curtis brought the heat. Um, <laughs> Goldblum in the first half. I liked Goldblum in the first half more than the second half, actually, when he was, Doing his full gold bloomy uh, 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 stuttering and yeah, yeah. My only go-to uh, cowboy Curtis line that I can remember is him showing Pee Wee that he had giant boots on, and him saying to Pee Wee, "You know what that means, right?" And Pee Wee said, "No, I don't know what that means." He says, "Well, people say big feet, big boots," <laughs> nice. and all the adults are like. <laughs> while their kids are watching the show yeah i will i will say the final um right right before jeff uh jeff goldblum gets his uh ticket punched he he talks about uh the the he asks the important questions what is <laughs> what is the strangest thing you've done sexually uh-huh. and i'm like what the fuck this is how you're going out that is that's an alpha move, I guess. It, I don't know. Yeah. He's is he it's his passion. It's what he's curious about. So. Yeah. I I gotta say I loved this movie. Okay. <laughs> You're not the only one, so don't worry. Yeah. yeah. Um I I love movies like this movie. Uh these these nineties sort of gritty, raw, you know, cop stories or stories about the streets. Um, I mean, I grew up with these. So even when I was a kid, I was still watching this stuff because my parents didn't have a really good grasp on uh, ratings for films. Uh, they were like, I don't know if, as long as there's not too much boob in it, you're fine, which this one had just the right amount of boob, um, you know, f- for young Zach, for old Zach, I could have used maybe, a, you know, but, um, no, honestly, <laughs> I, um, I, I will say I agree with a lot of the other points. However, they weren't enough to drive me away from not enjoying this film. The dialogue was atrocious, but I loved it. I mean, the moment where he just sits there and says, I want my cake and eat it too. Pause, pause, Mm -hmm. pause. I want my cake and eat it too. (laughs) just like and this is jeff goldblum um uh the guy the 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 um you know glad someone brought that up because that was that was the best (laughs) so fun so stupid um the guy who plays the goldblum (laughs) yeah the uh no he's not the head detective or the captain we don't ever really know what his position is i think oh the the other cop that's sort of following him around well well no not him the his superior Oh, the um, DEA oh, yeah, agent? the guy from who, the beginning. Yeah, who's from Cincinnati, where, like, we start in Cleveland, we go to Cincinnati, we end mm. in Los Angeles. This guy's just traveling back and forth willy-nilly from Cincinnati to Los Angeles whenever something goes down. I assume um, at the he end might we be find FBI out or something. He, he, he says he's with the State Department. Right. Okay. At one yes. point. 
So, so the yeah. State Department's telling him what to do. Yeah, he's That's, he's a DEA agent. They they say that in the opening scene. Oh, he's from DEA. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. But he, I gotcha. like they can't go after the big dogs because the State the, Department. The State Department said he's too important to diplomatic. Right. They people. want him to be a senator and blah blah blah. Basically, politics. the thing that he he Iron Man endings in the denouement of the movie in the like final section there. Yeah. Uh, but he had some real choice things to say I'm there's things I will not repeat. Uh, mm-hmm. and then there are other things like him saying, I'm a God, uh, or I'm God or whatever. I know everything. I mean, the writing was clearly just uh, like a 12 year old doing his best impression yeah. of what Miami vice. Was. <laughs> so, so that, that okay. at the, at I loved it. I honestly loved it at the beginning when you first meet him um he we had just gotten the backstory of larry fishburne's character seeing his father killed right in front of him and then we go straight to him being a cop and interviewing with this dea agent and the dea agent says well hey does this have anything to do with your your dad being killed for robbing this place right in front of you and then he's like how do you know that I'm a god. Dude, he's a cop. It's in his file. And also, we just found out about this literally 10 seconds ago. Why are we rehashing this already? The first 40 minutes of this movie are rough. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I... I didn't didn't have the same sentiments necessarily as, as Aaron, but I'll say... Uh, New Line Cinema during this time period, I think I watched most everything New Line Cinema. Other, you know, there were a few things I missed, but like I watched so much stuff from New Line Cinema. I love New Line Cinema's canon. And I just recently found out a lot more about how they were producing and making films and the fact that like they, you know, they were built on Freddy Krueger and Nightmare on Elm Street, but the whole sense of like, how they were able to accomplish what they did and make films that they did. Um, what a great production company. And they really thrived through the eighties and nineties because of these kinds of films. I, for me, this, I mean, the first thing that I loved about this movie, I mean, I, this is not a great movie. We should be really <laughs> clear about that. It's a pretty good movie. That's really watchable. <laughs> um, and so the first thing I loved about this movie was the era that it's in and when it was portrayed. Like I, I had some major Jones and for some nineties hip hop after this movie, uh, all the, the sexy, I had a Jones sl- to put it on while I was watching the movie. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. all the, like all the crackle of the record during all the like steamy scenes and everything. It was just mm-hmm. kind of dead on for me. Um, I think we have to, we, we can't go any further without acknowledging the best wipe <laughs> in movie oh, history yes. Good Lord. that occurs the home improvement style <laughs> oh man wipes my the screen. god oh my god so there's a murder a vicious vicious murder probably the most violent thing that happens in the first three quarters of the movie and how do they shift to the next scene a homeless man carrying a homeless sleeping bag guy. walks across so the screen. <laughs> there was so some really interesting editing choices they, they did a lot of, uh, of cut cut zooms um when something was exciting like instead of a whip zoom they were just doing like these cut zooms 
And I wonder if this was one of the early movies that was digitally or partially digitally edited, um, because those are things that came around about that time. Uh, and that wipe is a hundred percent a video toaster wipe. It had to be from that period. And video toaster wipes are most known for their constant use in home improvement, the television show. Well, it just seemed like something out of like the Brady Bunch to me. I don't don't know. And a (laughs) lot of it is the fact, like Nathan said, it wasn't just, it was the timing of that. Like you don't see that wipe happening constantly. It's like the timing of that wipe, which is kind of a humorous wipe is happening right after this brutal murder. And then, yeah, you know, guy walking by with his bedroll. I mean, like, what? Like, that doesn't even make sense. What's happening? Yeah, we, yeah. We, we got to, like, the really steamy sex scene, and I, I just leaned over and I said, it's the perfect time for a homeless wipe right here. <laughs> <laughs> that would um, have made this movie legendary. New Clorox oh homeless wipes. So, Why you're homeless. <laughs> so my other notes, I mean, I... I Jeff Goldblum, God love him. He's great in a lot of things. This was not the role for him, but that's kind of what made it awesome to watch because he was so out of his element the whole way. He he did all right playing a lawyer for about five minutes in the movie, but just about everything else, he was trying real hard to act tough and it was not working for him. Um, I, I think Lawrence Fishburne has been much better in other movies, but he's great in this. So... Um, He's the main reason this movie even exists, I think. I think this was just a great vehicle for him. Um, yeah. And I, I want to shout out to the 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 gal that was playing the the uh, gallery laundress, um, whatever her... She was really good in it, too, I thought. She pretty much played her part the way she needed to. You know, before, before this movie, she was the... Uh, she was one of the bathers in uh, coming, coming to, America. to America. And that's about it oh, on her okay. IMDb profile. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, so I guess I am the only one, um, I mean, besides Alicia to go yet, but I, I think I probably like this the best out of everybody. Um, I really liked it. I kind of wondered where this movie had been. Um, but I applied kind of a dreamlike logic to it. I, I studied it as more of a metaphor than than a straightforward story. Um, I wrote down the line, I'm God, I know everything. Um, that's where I switched gears because I decided I'm just going to trust whatever the screenplay says is true. So I said, okay, that guy's God, and he would know everything because he's uh, om- omniscient. Um, he's, he's all powerful in this situation and his interview tactic of throwing out the, what's the difference between a black person and an N word, um, is this way of like weeding out who's going to actually go out and carry this gut work for him and be his, you know, his, uh, his proxy, uh, undercover drug agent person. And if they can't hold it together when an officer says the N-word to them, then they're never going to make it undercover. Um, we talked about all the cut zooms. Um, there were a couple of times where characters in the movie were quoting other movie gangsters. 
Um, you had Asta La Vista, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but he uh, also says, uh, you can go pick that up at your local video store. <laughs> yeah. He, he also Goldblum's character. I'm back, baby. Jeff Goldblum's character also quotes Scarface uh, a couple of times. And so there's kind of this, you know, you guys talk about the dialogue being bad um, or the screenplay not being so great. I think the screenplay is really, really speaking to like just trying to make, trying to get characters exposition as quickly as possible by making them sort of caricatures from these different places. So in this movie, Jeff Goldblum is Scarface. He's just, played by Jeff Goldblum and the the case officer for the uh, for Lawrence Fishburne is god in this situation and so every time he and Lawrence Fishburne have a conversation it's like he's having a conversation with god there's another thing that happens where um uh the guy toward the end who shows up that's like you know try and remind him that, that he's a good police officer and a good person and, and not to get mixed up in all of this that ends up getting shot. Oh, the um, Reverend, the Reverend Cla- Clarence he, Williams, the third. Yeah. He says, uh, you and me are one. Don't forget who you are. And what I took that to mean. And again, this is me just stretching this metaphor as far as I can, <laughs> but the role that, Fishburne's been playing up until that point in the movie. He was playing both sides of a conflicted person, right? He's an undercover cop, but he's supposed to be a drug dealer and he's doing terrible things, but it's for a greater good. And then they tell him that the state department's not going to let him take down the guy he wants to take down. And then he takes him down anyway at the end. And he, he talks to God about this to try and figure it out. But when the reverend shows up in that climax sequence they are they are both personifying two halves of that same uh that same person that same personality so it's sort of like he, he's a good angel and a bad angel and the good angel is the reverend and the bad angel is sort of him but mostly jeff goldblum in that sequence um, like Jeff Goldblum's trying to take him out of there. He's like, well, you know, we, we still got $50 million. It doesn't matter if you're a cop. Like he had lots and lots of options to not get shot by Jeff Goldblum. And he had lots of options to go and, and just keep all the money and worry about what would happen next. But the dialogue also tells us that, uh, Lawrence Fishburne decided right when he met him that, uh, either this guy was going to kill Jeff Goldblum or this, or Jeff Goldblum was going to kill that guy and Jeff Goldblum killed the guy. So we know that he's capable of, of killing. And we know Lawrence Fishburne's capable of killing because they, they fit that in there. So I feel like that whole climax sequence is where the idea for the movie started. And then they built it backwards from there into a, into a story that was not, not particularly uh, compelling on paper, but with the right actors and executed in the right way, it it sort of follows this dream logic. It's sort of like we're watching 
the character of Lawrence Fishburne in his dream and the people around him are represent different parts of his own personality, his own sort of um, desires versus needs versus what he wants. So that was, that was my take on it. Um, and then Goldblum's big uh, reveal at the end, as far as the dialogue is concerned is there's no races anymore. There's only rich people and poor people. Uh, I see that as the thesis statement of the movie. I think that's what it was trying to say. Um, and if people saw it in a theater, they would probably walk out thinking they saw a, fa- a fairly exciting but not that great movie because the climax is so good. Um, I think that's where they really took their time and made it good. And it's, you know, it kind of makes sense. We're back in the 90s, like, you know, still kind of pre internet. It was all about the buzz of what people were saying when they left. So if the exposition's kind of light and boring, but acted well and shot well, um, people tend to forget, you know, that uh, maybe they were bored for the first half hour. Maybe they knew exactly where it was going for the first half hour. But um, I got vibes of The Wire, The Shield, and uh, especially The Departed in this. I feel like The Departed is kind of another metaphorical... Um, good guy becomes undercover bad guy and bad guy becomes undercover good guy um, show. Um, You know, they don't do both of those in this, but uh, sort of a similar corrupt police uh, film. Well, there is the one guy, Felix, who is apparently an informant that we find out later. Um, So I guess, you know, not necessarily bad guy turned good guy, but still the juxtaposition there. Yeah. So, Alicia, why did we uh, watch this movie? Well, I had heard it mentioned on uh, a podcast, actually, and I was like, huh, Lawrence Fishburne and Jeff Goldblum? I have not seen this. I need to check this out. And I'd just been meaning to watch it, and then, you know, it was my pick, and I was like, let's just throw the dice. Let's just see what happens. But um, I, while I was watching this movie, I kept thinking to myself, God, this is not a good movie this is really not a good movie but uh but like nathan said i think i was definitely very entertained and now after i've had some time to think about the movie i'm like was this an awful movie or was this actually a really amazing movie like i i'm just Mm -hmm. kind of torn i think a, a lot of it i think is really dependent on the time period like this is so an early 90s movie that like I think if I would have seen this in 1992, I would have been like Christine's dad. I would have been like, this is the greatest movie. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. but I think some of the stuff, and, and it would have been one that it would have continued to be a favorite movie maybe of mine for a while, even though I would admit there's some cringeworthy stuff. Well, I think now we're kind of at a point where that cringeworthy stuff is hard to overlook. So I think I had a bit of a problem with that. And I think the laughing out loud that I did a few times with the shrimp and the wipe and the... You know, stuff like that. And like, I don't know why, and I can't remember the actor's name, but the guy they got from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, who's like hanging around with the crime. I'm like, is this like, is like this the gimp from Pulp Fiction? Like, what is his role here? Like, I don't even know what's happening with this guy and why he's just giggling away at stuff. I'm like, what is that? I don't even know why he's in this movie. So like stuff like that just totally threw me. But, you know, the, the music and I thought, Lawrence Fishburne was amazing in it. Jeff Goldblum uh, is 
one of my personal favorites. I got my Jeff Goldblum t-shirt. I wear it proudly. But like I, I had a hard time maybe just because of the trajectory of his career, especially after like that last half where he gets real serious sometimes. And at the end when he's walking up to Lawrence Fishburne trying to talk about, you know, kind of you're wondering if he's going to shoot Lawrence Fishburne or what's going to happen. Like, I had a hard time buying in on serious Jeff Goldblum threatening me with a gun. Like, I, uh, you know, I think it's going to like have a little pop flag that comes out of it or something. So I, it, it was pulls just, the trigger and it just goes, uh, um, yeah, uh, uh, it's like in exactly. high school when like someone tries to tell you how great sex was, but they didn't actually have it. That's, that's what it was like watching Jeff Goldblum. He just couldn't quite get it. All right. So I don't know. I just, I just, I, so I'm like loving thinking about this movie and I I think it really had some great things and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot and I'm still kind of confused as to why I enjoyed it because I think there's some really bad acting in this movie <laughs> and some, you know, a lot of it's like Zach said, like, it's like, oh, there's admittedly lots of things wrong with this movie, but for some reason I still had a really good time and I, I liked the... I liked his narration of it. I mean, it, you know, obviously it's a little, you know, rep- trying to be a little too much like I want to be double indemnity or something. But I, you know, I really, I, I still liked it. Hey, Alicia, guess what? I do improv with the gimp from Pulp Fiction. Oh, my God. That's that- awesome. <laughs> of course you do. Yeah. Yeah, oh he's uh, he actually lives in Denver now. He was in Los Angeles. He wrote a little bit on uh, SNL. But it's so funny that you bring up that specific character because I literally was doing a shoot with him yesterday. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, <laughs> so his weird. name is Steve. Um, I can't remember his last name off the top of my head. His name but, is Steve. Uh, he's, Gimp. Yeah, he's a great guy. Well, if we um, ever do Pulp Fiction, he'll have to come in for that. Absolutely. Yeah. We have to. Steve, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Josh, it is your turn to suggest a movie. What would you like for us to watch next? All right. I guess uh, we're going to be watching Friends of Eddie Coyle. Um, It is a movie from, I believe, the 70s um, with Robert Mitchum. Uh, After his last crime has him looking at a long prison sentence for repeat offenses, a low-level Boston gangster decides to snitch on his friends to avoid jail time. Um, So that is the premise of the movie. Okay, that sounds great. Well, thanks everybody uh, for the discussion here on Deep Cover. Thanks everybody for listening. We will see you on the next Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast.